This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Why are we here? And not just in this church, but on earth. Like, what are we doing with our existence. We've talked a few weeks about this and how heaven is here with us because God's presence is here. And we pray for heaven to be here as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or in this way, in Westminster as it is in heaven. We're praying that God would transform our hearts and our lives so that it might transform this city uh, and this state and ultimately this world. So why are we here? What are we doing? Um, We can think about this sometimes as vocation. Vocation's different than um, like occupation or your job or just a hobby or something of that nature. A vocation is something that transcends everything else that you do. It's something you're passionate about, something that drives you to do things even within other realms like your occupation. Your vocation will transcend that by you talking about it, you doing it while you're at your job. You're uh, wanting to influence other people in that way. Your vocation is your calling, your passion. It's going gonna, it's gonna to drive you in your life. It's going to change what you do, where you spend your money, and who you are. Your vocation is something that affects everything else in your life. So maybe you're a businessman, but you're passionate about helping other people be the best they can be. So you do your work differently. Maybe you work in retail, but you really just want to bring joy to people's life. Maybe you work as a, uh, uh, in, a food, in the food industry, but you really want to just supply people with the best food that they can possibly have with quality that sustains them in life. Whatever it is that you do, do it for the glory of God and for the good of creation. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 this morning. It says uh, in, in Genesis 2, we're talking about the garden. We're talking about God putting us in the garden for purpose, for a reason, and then us messing that up, and, and then how God restores that back. All right, so Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took him, uh, took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. To work it and to watch over it. So what is it, the garden of Eden, and who placed him there? The Lord God, Yahweh, God. Uh, This is his personal name, took them, placed them in it for a purpose, to work and to watch. All right, so the Hebrew words here, shamar and avad. Shamar, to watch over, to protect, to guard. Avad, to serve, to uh, to till, to work. All right, so those are the two words, shamar and avad. Now let's look at that a little bit throughout this text, all right? Because we're working with English, but let's see where that word is used throughout this passage. So in chapter 2, verse 15, it says that God took us to work and to watch over what? The garden. But what else are we watching over and who else is watching over things? Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. It says, He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. So this is post-fall. This is outside of the Garden of Eden. God's removed us from the Garden of Eden because of our own sin. And now he's placed an angel to guard the way to the tree of life. Or in other words, to shamar the way to the tree of life. So humans didn't do what we were supposed to do. So God puts an angel in the place to do what we were supposed to do. Over the what? Garden. Not the ground. The garden. All right. So they are protecting the garden. Uh, And then Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. Just a little bit further forward. It says, Then the Lord God said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? 
I don't know, which is just such classic human. Like even chapter three, the Lord's like, hey, what did you do? And he's like, we didn't do anything. I don't know why we're naked. And he's like, okay, you did something. Where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's Shamar? Am I my brother's guardian? Yes, Cain, you are. And yes, we are. We are supposed to be the guardians, the ones who watch over things, the ones who protect things, the ones who keep things. We are the ones who were supposed to do this, but we failed in the garden and we failed on the ground. We failed in the garden when we chose to do what was wicked and evil instead of protecting it. And then we chose to do in the, on the ground what is wicked and evil instead of protecting it. For Cain and Abel, it was murder. And so it just continues. Evil continues on throughout humanity. Instead of guarding and protecting, we're killing. So what should we do? We should guard and protect life. We should guard and protect creation. Shamar, we should protect life. Shamar, we should protect creation. It's what we were meant to do. What's your vocation? You should protect life. You should protect creation. What should you be doing with your life? Protect those around you. Take care of it. Steward over what God has given you, the resources God has given you. Protect those things. Shamar. But not only this, we are protecting in the garden, but now we're on the ground. And so what is, it, how, what is the relationship between the garden and the ground? Check this out. Uh, chapter 2, verse 5. No shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land. Okay, so stop there. Here's, here's what the garden is. Oftentimes when we think about garden, do you think like the garden outside your house where it's like we're going to grow some, uh, some vegetables and grow some fruit? That's probably not what the Garden of Eden was like. Most likely, uh, with Ezekiel's help, we know that it's probably more like a forest than anything. It was probably a wild forest. Uh, we have tons of different types of trees. And in fact, two of those trees would be the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. So you think, when you think garden, think just this vast, beautiful forest of trees with, at this time, some vegetation, but right before that, it was just probably orange and uh, blue. We had the ocean and we had dirt. We didn't really have vegetation. And it was, in fact, it was out of that dirt or dust that God created us. But it was out of really nothing that God created everything, and it was out of that dust that he created you. Now, we weren't supposed to be part of that dust. We weren't even supposed to work that dust. We're supposed to work the beautiful forest, the aromatic, the, the great tasting, the, the wonderful experience of the garden was supposed to be ours. But, chapter 2, verse 5, he sees this, uh, the uh, father sees this, and he says, and it says, and there was no man to work the ground. Now, note that down. It says, and there was no man to avod the ground. Now remember, avod means like work, serve, uh, or worship. It's serve being similar to worship. We're going to serve God. We're going to serve creation. Right here, we're going to serve the ground. We're going to till it. We're going to work it. All right? So we're going to work the ground. Now move forward with me to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden, not on the ground. Dust became us. We became workers. Now where are we placed? We're placed in the Garden of Eden to avod the garden, not the ground. We were supposed to work in the garden. The garden's good. The garden's a good place to work. Ground's not. All right, so our intention was to be, our vocation was to be working and watching over the garden, not the ground. Chapter 3, verse 23. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground, avod the ground. Away from the garden, back to the ground, 
to work the ground. Now you see here, we are working the ground, which is hard. It's not easy to work the ground. There's toil in the ground that we weren't ever meant to work the ground. So when you say like, man, my job was just hard this week. Well, it makes sense. Yes, it's hard because the ground's not where you were supposed to be in the first place. But remember, what does it say? It says, Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And if you move forward to verse, or sorry, backward to verse 17, it says, And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. So, yes, it's difficult to work the ground. But it's difficult to work the ground because it's cursed. But why is it cursed? Because of us. Because we chose not to watch it and protect it, to take care of it, to shepherd over it, to serve it. We chose to do what God called us not to do. And so, therefore, now we're not working in the garden. We're working on the ground. The ground's hard because the ground's cursed. Why is the ground cursed? Because of us. So your job's hard. It's hard to parent. It's really hard to do pretty much anything. (laughs) Hard work is required pretty much to accomplish anything. But it's not only that, now it's tiring. Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes your lower back hurts. You know, y'all with me? Sometimes your knees hurt. Sometimes your feet hurt. Sometimes your brain hurts. Work is hard. But it's not just hard, it also hurts. It was never meant to be that way though. It was always meant to be work in the garden, not work on the ground. So when you find yourself at work and you're like, man, this is just hard. I don't want to do this anymore. Remember, you have a bigger purpose. So let me show you your purpose. Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. As you turn there, remember Luke, the book of Luke, where Jesus says he opens up all the Bible and shows them uh, how he's been there throughout the whole Old Testament. Or remember the book of Timothy when Paul talks about how Uh, you can know salvation even in the Old Testament. Here's just a glimmer of that salvation. It says in verse uh, 21, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, which immediately I'm like, oh, garden. Smelling, pleasing aroma, God physical. Like, it just reminds you of the garden. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I'll never again curse the ground. Or in Hebrew, the Adama. I'll never again curse what Adam came from that dust. I'm never going to again curse that ground because of who? Human beings. Even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward, and I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. This is post-flood. Everything's been flooded. He sees everything, and he's like, I'm not going to curse this again. You can see a glimmer of the gospel here, from the garden to the ground back to the garden. You can see Revelation 21 coming. When God restores all things back to what it was supposed to be, which is the garden. But we got to remember this, y'all. Work is not cursed. The ground's cursed. Work is still godly. It's biblical. It's what you're supposed to do. But what you do with your work can be hard and it can be unbiblical. What you do with it. What you should do with it is godly, glorifying, and eternal. Because we're always going to work. It's just our work changes when it's in the garden versus when it's in the ground. Because the ground's hard. It's cursed. But the Lord says, not always going to be cursed. So we're looking for, longing for the day when Revelation 21 comes, when all of our work is going to be good and no longer toilsome. It's not going to be like thorns. It's going to be like that aromatic, pleasing, tastes good, looks good, is good stuff. 
It's like Tim Keller says, and I've already mentioned to you before, we are rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular to thrive and to flourish. Or as Jesus would say it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now remember, as you do your job, you are creating new things. You're taking the ground and making it the garden. You're taking this orange barren land and making it into a beautiful creation. No matter what you do, whether you're a construction worker or a designer, or you work IT, or you make food, it doesn't matter. What you make ought to be like the garden, not like the ground. What you make should be produced like good garden stuff, not like the ground and dust. So another way Jesus would say this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, you're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What you do ought to cause others to give glory to God. Your good works should point other people to God. And I'm not talking about my good works, your pastor, or Justine's works, or Ernie Reb's works because they're deacons, or Steve Sullivan's works because he's a deacon. I'm not talking about leaders in the church. What I'm talking about is you, vocation, you, in your job, in your career, in your hobbies, in your education, with your families, Whatever you do, bringing glory to God by how you do it. And so what we're doing now is we're looking at it like, okay, it's not just the preacher who's preaching or the worship leader who's worshiping, but how can I worship by the way that I build and create? How can I worship by the way that I learn? Or maybe how can I worship by the way that I treat my family and how I do my hobbies? I'm looking at everything in my life and asking, am I shamaring and avoiding like in the garden or like on the ground? Because I want this ground to look like the garden so that the world goes, why does yours look like the garden and everybody else's look like the ground? And you go, because I'm worshiping God and I'm not worshiping the ground. I'm not going to live in this cursed land and not bring about good blessings. I'm going to bring about blessings in the midst of this cursed land. As Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your strength. Or maybe as 2 Thessalonians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 10 through 12 says, In fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. He says, for, it says, For we hear that there are some among you who are idle. They are not busy, uh, busy but busy bodies. Now we command and exhort such people by the Lord Jesus Christ to work quietly and provide for themselves. So work. Work's not evil. The ground is. Colossians 3, verse 23 through 24, whatever you do, do it from the heart as if you were doing it for the Lord and not for people. So we're working for the Lord and not for ourselves. And that's all of us. As Proverbs 14 says, there's profit in all hard work. Not in some, not in mine, not in somebody else's, in all. All hard work. So what's your hard work? Not lazy work, 1423 says, but, in, in, but endless talk leads only to pro- poverty. So busybodies who aren't actually working, who are just talking and not doing what they're supposed to be doing, leads to poverty. It's not glorifying to God. Do the hard work and glorify God by what you do. Creating great things with great value so that people will see it and turn to God and want what you have, who is God. That they might want the garden and not the ground. So are you working hard? Are you looking at your job as a way to glorify God and not to make money? 
just to make money. Sure, it's provisions, but is it providing glory to God or just providing resources for you? Bring God glory by what you do. Now, we have to look at all of our vocation, all of our career, education, all of that, and ask ourselves, what is that transcending thing, that transcending vocation? Now, and I would argue, and you probably already know this from me, that it comes from Jesus before he ascends into heaven when he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. I believe that's our calling, is to make disciples. You are to be a disciple and to make disciples. It's your transcending vocation. From Scripture, I believe that's what he's calling us to do. So now we look at, okay, we're supposed to make disciples and be disciples, so now how do we actually practically live that out? Because if you were to look to Scripture and, and look at the two greatest disciple makers in Scripture, who would they be? I would argue Jesus and Paul, right? Now there might be some others you could argue in there, but let's just say Jesus and Paul. So Jesus being a, uh, making disciples, it's hard to say Jesus is a disciple, but Jesus making disciples and Paul being in making a disciple. Let's look at those two. If their transcending work is to make disciples, what is their specific work? Jesus was a carpenter. Paul was a tent maker. So now you look at their lives and they're like, oh, okay, that wasn't the pastor on the stage. That was the carpenter who built my chair. It was the tent maker who made that tent that I stayed in, right? Or that we worshiped under. These are guys who are working with their hands. And now, let me ask you a question. We talk about at Christmas, we talk about Jesus being born. Jesus was born for a purpose, to live a life that we could not live, die the death that we should have died, and raise from the dead so that we can too. He was born for a purpose. But in the middle of all that, he was faithful. We can't say there was one spot where Jesus wasn't faithful in his life because he was without sin. That means everything that he did was good. That means when he took his disciples fishing, it was faithful. You may say, I'm a fisherman. I provide food for people. I'm a farmer. I provide food for people. Jesus did too. He provided fish for people. Or or maybe you say, um, I'm I'm a construction worker, general contractor. Well, Jesus worked construction too. And every single time he went to make something, to cut down a tree or to to, uh, um, craft something together or to sell it, every single time he did, it was faithful. And it was honoring to his father. And so every time you build, create, think, do, make money, sell things, uh, invest in people and invest in things, every single thing you should do should be for the glory of God, no matter what you do. So we look at our career, we look at our education, we look at our relationships, we look at our hobbies and we ask, is our transcending vocation affecting every specific occupation that we have, specific task that we do? So if you're a fast food restaurant worker, is there, y'all, are y'all with me on this? There's like nothing worse than a fast food restaurant when you walk in and it's just messy everywhere. There's like napkins all over the ground and like food on the ground. You look back in the back and you're like, why is there a patty on the ground? Are you going to use that on my hamburger? That's disgusting. You know, you go over and the machine's not working. Can I get a shout out for McDonald's milkshakes? And then every single thing doesn't work, right? And you're like, what is wrong with this place? And it's gross. I went into a place one time and I was like, I can't eat here. It was so gross. And that's, that's pretty rare for me. What if you work in fast food and you say, you know what? That's not going to be what I create for this place. I'm going to make sure that this is the cleanest, nicest fast food restaurant in all of Westminster. 
I'm going to make sure that when people step in here, they feel like and know that they're going to be taken care of and that we're not going to, we're going to make sure that they don't get a stomach virus here. Yeah, right? Now you might be like, well, how does that bring value to people? Because you are shamaring and avoiding. You're serving people and you're protecting them. I'm not going to get them sick. I'm going to make sure everything's clean. I'm going to make sure that they know we love them and care about them. Because I'm doing garden work, not groundwork. Sure, most fast food restaurants, ooh, I better not say anything. I'm going to stop there. I'm just kidding. Make a fast food restaurant garden-like, not ground-like is what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, food can be garden-like, it can be ground-like. What are you doing with it? Retail. There's nothing worse than you walking into, am I right? Walking into like one of them department stores and you're like, where in the world is the toothpaste? It was on aisle three. And they're like, oh, we changed our store. It's on aisle 32. And then they run off and you're like, where's 32? And they're like, oh, we haven't put our signs up yet. <laughs> you know, oh, how am I going to find this? No, but seriously, you, you, uh, what if you were a retail worker and you, and you said instead of, hey, go 32, you, you walked them over there. You're like, oh, hey, and by the way, Crest is running a special right now. You can save some money. And I'm being serious. You ought to be bringing life to people. I walked into a vitamin shop the other day and the lady was like, Hey, Mr. McMillan, which is not always good when they know you by name, but hey, wanted to let you know the normal protein you buy is on sale today. And if you buy two, you get one free. And I was like, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Like she cared about me. She knew the protein. I'm like, that's great work. Y'all, that's ground to garden work. She cared about me. But the follow up to that is why does she care about me? Or why do you care about that person? Or why do you want a clean restaurant? Or why do you want the best made houses, general contractors? Why do you want them to be the most efficient, the best quality? Because you're protecting people. And ultimately, hopefully they're going to go, why do you care to protect people? Why do you care to serve people? And you go, because I'm serving God, not just you. I'm not just getting a paycheck. I'm trying to do this for the glory of God and not just for the glory of man. If you work IT, think about the possibilities of protecting people from social security numbers being stolen, from viruses being put on people's computers and stealing their money. Think about how you could protect young eyes from seeing things they shouldn't. What if that was your life goal, that no child was ever going to see anything on a computer or a device that they should not see, and I'm going to block everything? Man, that would be an amazing thing. And if you accomplish that in your life, how much glory would that bring to God if you were doing it for Him? And you're doing it to protect others from sin and temptation. Go be and do what God's called you to do it and do it all for the glory of God, not for man. Because we're avoiding and we're shamaring. We're not just existing. Because when Jesus came, he didn't just breathe. He was here on purpose. And he used his carpentry work and he used his fishing to get to the ultimate goal of him sacrificing his life for you so that you could live. It says John Mark Homer says it, our job is to make the invisible God visible. With whatever you do, do everything as if you're taking ground and making it garden so that you can show people, this is my God. This is what he does. This is what his people do. We make the best stuff. So what about, what about you and your hobbies? 
What about you and your families? Have you sifted through all of this and said, how am I protecting and how am I serving? It's interesting, that word avod, because when I first learned it in Hebrew, I was, you, you really learn it as serve and worship. When you see it in this context, it's a, it's a bit out of context because it, it, it doesn't feel like it should be there. But it, it is used often as something like farming, tilling the ground, producing something from the ground. But it really means something like worship, I mean, serving. And so what we, what we see it as is in your life, your work and your worship is so closely tied together. How you serve and how you till is so close to how you worship. Because the way that you serve and the way that you work is ultimately the way you're going to worship because all of life is worship. So we, we, in our response to God, it's not just singing. In our response to God, it's not just memorizing and meditating, but it's what we do. It's how you speak to your kids and your spouse. Have you ever thought about your relationships in this way? What if your relationship was in the garden? What would it look like? What if you were taking your relationship from a ground relationship to a garden relationship where things were thriving and fruitful, where it was good, loving and kind, nurturing? What would your relationship look like if it was a garden relationship and not a ground relationship? I know this ground is cursed. I know things are hard. I know we have to toil. But we are bringing garden into ground. We are bringing the heaven into earth. So would you, and this is our gospel response, knowing what Jesus has done, knowing that he gave his life up so that I might have life, that he created a new relationship with, for us with the Father. This is, let me, let me call you to respond to this in this way. Would you work the ground? And y'all, that might, that's one of the hardest challenges I can give you, is to work the ground. Because I know what I'm asking you to do. That is to work cursed ground, to do hard jobs, and to stick with it because somebody in here today is thinking about leaving their career. And I'm not telling you to stay in your career, but what I would ask you is this. Have you used your career for the glory of God first? Before you leave it, have you thought through how to use it for the glory of God first? Because the truth is, no grass is greener because all grass is cursed. Think about it. You can't go to another place and be like, well, this work is going to be much easier. This work is going to be much better. It's not about what's easier. It's about what glorifies God. So you might can find an easier job. You might can find a more high-paying job. But what if that wasn't what God wanted you to do? You know, I, surely being a priest is more highly coveted than being a carpenter. Yet my God was a carpenter. Man, they had all the accolades as priests. They could do anything. They, they were taken care of. They were highly regarded in their society. They even have government positions sometimes in the society Jesus was in. Yet he came as a carpenter and a fisherman. So I don't know what God's called you to do, but I do know God's called you to glorify him through what you do. So for at least first consider, as I work the ground, as hard as it may be, as cursed as it may be, am I bringing God glory through it? And do it the best you can do for the glory of God. The second thing is anticipate the garden. Man, I know the ground's hard, but look towards the garden Remembering what's coming, knowing that you're creating the garden within. Hey, sometimes your families, I was talking to a dad today, and look, it's hard. Over the past four weeks, my family has had five sicknesses. How does that even happen? We had an ear infection, the stomach bug, pink eye, upper respiratory infection, and bronchitis in four weeks. 
I haven't slept. <laughs> you know? It wasn't me. It was just my children. And I'm like, poor kids, you know? I felt so bad for them. But I'm longing for the garden. And so what does it look like in the midst of that ground-cursed sickness stuff to bring about some life amongst my children? That's what I'm asking. And in your family, when it's stressed, when it's Christmas season, and things are just going haywire, bring the garden into it. What would this be like if we were at peace in the garden? Do that. Run towards that. And then finally, as the band comes, third thing, would you confess you ate from the wrong tree? Confess that you ate from the wrong tree. Look, this is one of those things that we have to recognize in the garden. We were kicked out. We were cursed from it because we chose to do the wrong thing. And so when you think about why is my occupation messed up? Why is, why is it hard for me to do this job? Why are all the, It's because of us. When you think the grass might be green on the other side, but remember that the grass is cursed everywhere you go, it's because of us. The grass is cursed because of us. Your family's broken because of you. All those things are true, but it doesn't have to be the final story. It doesn't have to be the end. The end of your story doesn't have to be why I broke things. The end of your stories can, can be that Jesus fixed things. Not us, because we struggle. But God can, because he can bring us back. He can transform us. He can change us. He can bring us into garden-like human beings who can shamar and Ovid. We need that. We need to be what we are called to be in the garden. So would you protect? Would you guard? Would you serve each other? Let me pray for you. If anybody in here wants to talk to me more about Jesus and following after him, I'm going to be over here and I'd love to talk to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We trust you. We need you. We believe that you're transforming things from the ground to the garden. Would you start with us? From dust we came, but yet you placed us in the garden to live and flourish. So would you help us to flourish on earth and bring about flourishing and thriving for others? All for your glory, God. We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.